Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much.
this evil administration has attacked those of us who consider ourselves to be MAGA, Make America Great Again Republicans or Independents. What is MAGA? Let me tell you something. I've been writing about MAGA for decades. Every one of my books is about making America great again. I am not a criminal or an extremist. I am an American. I'm the son of an immigrant. And Joe Biden go F himself. I will not feel guilty for loving my nation, for wanting to protect my nation. Loving your nation is not a crime, Joe. What kind of country does not want what's best for its nation? What kind of people do not want their country to survive other than suicidal maniacs? I am MAGA. You are Magna. And Joe, you're not an American as far as I'm concerned. You're like a little Stalin. Now, I want to go back in time. You're asking what is MAGA? I'm not ashamed to tell you I am MAGA. You're a MAGA. Let me tell you something. If you're tired of being attacked in school whenever you celebrate the achievements of America, if you're weary of being trampled on whenever you speak in favor of morality at a school board meeting, or as a Boy Scout you become a pariah while the perverts took over the Boy Scouts, then you too are MAGA. Those are my words. I am the son of immigrants, and my love for America and my insights into the leftist propaganda that threatens our way of life have made me a prominent figure in the media. Let me tell you something else. Our country is having its identity stripped away. It's as though Joe Biden is trying to throw nitric acid on the face of America. It's as though he's trying to throw nitric acid on the Statue of Liberty. That's what he's doing. With his unmonitored flood of criminal illegal aliens. Yes, you heard me right. I have eyes. I can see who they are. Did you see the latest crop of illegal immigrants coming in from Venezuela? I was the first in the media to say that they're dumping their prisoners on us. They're emptying out the rapists, the murderers. And they were. It came out in the news today. But you didn't see that at NBC, CBS, or ABC. Wolf Blitzer, that lying, two-faced phony, didn't say anything about it, did he? When it comes to our culture, we're being told by the left wing, by Joe Biden, to let the illegal invaders, as well as the legal newcomers, redefine and reshape our culture into their own image. I say no. Wake up, America. Our borders, language, and culture are being threatened. And it's up to us as principled patriotic citizens to defend and protect the freedoms we cherish. If the price of liberty is eternal vigilance, then only a more savage nation will enjoy these liberties. If you roll over to the threats of Joe Biden, you'll wake up to having no nation, no nation at all. Now, I, Michael Savage, am the son of an immigrant. I've worked as a factory worker, waiter, teacher, New York social worker medicinal plant explorer, scientist. I've earned two master's degrees, one in medical anthropology and one in medical botany. I earned a PhD in epidemiology and human nutrition from the University of California at Berkeley. These are top flight credentials for anyone. So I'm as much an American as Joe Biden, if not more so. He has no right to tell me I have no right to love my nation. And I pray to God that we will one day return America to her glorious roots of freedom, faith, and family. That's right, the America that once was. Freedom, faith, and family. And the America that could be again, if you have the will to stand and fight against the enemy within. Because we have many enemies within right now. Many enemies within, some of them called presidents, some of them called police, some of them called FBI agents, some of them called CIA agents. Shame on them. 
Our schools are now teaching perversion, not patriotism. Our courts are ruled by red diaper doper babies. Unborn babies are being slaughtered and their body parts sold. Illegal aliens, many of them criminals, are being courted by left-wing psychopoliticians like Nancy Pelosi. The phonies and the liberal media are undermining both the police and military, and our cities are burning, melting down. So who are the only people who are not considered MAGA in this country? He says he separates MAGA from other Republicans. There are no other Republicans. Either you're MAGA or you're nothing. You're either MAGA or a bloody socialist. And your dream of the socialist states of America will not happen in this country, Joe Biden. Never. You, along with Obama, will never transform the greatest engine of freedom the world has ever known into a Stalin-like dictatorship. The American people will stand up to you. You are the most polarizing president in our history. You try to transform us into Caracas, or worse than Caracas, maybe the old Moscow. Trillions in new debt. War, foreign war, domestic war, war against his own people, printing more money, crippling American taxpayers and our children with unlimited debt, while corrupt crony supporters of the Democratic Party continue to loot our economy. Your attorney general, who is he? Who is that fifth-rate lawyer from Harvard who has stolen America right out from under our feet? The man who has raped the Statue of Liberty. The man who has turned our southern border into a war zone as gangs of drug thugs and human traffickers endanger the citizenry of America. You've hobbled the most powerful military in the world with your sissification. You've reduced the Navy to the smallest force ever seen since 1930. You've rendered us unable to maintain our advanced weapons and technological advantages over the enemies at our gates. Trump tried to save us from that, but you have dismantled everything Trump did. And what are you doing right now? What are you doing, Mr. Biden? You're transforming us into a second-class or third-class nation with communists and Islamists given free reign to expand their power. Mr. Biden, as you accrue more power with little opposition from the vermin in the media and your oppression creeps down from the top, the American people can see the naked tyranny. You are a naked tyrant where you are rewarding poverty. You're punishing success. You're praising our worst enemies. You're using our military as a pawn. You've destroyed our border. While all the while, your friends in the corporate world and your cronies in particular make off with all the wealth. Yes, Joe Biden, many of us still have eyes and we can see. We can see the trickle-down tyranny. We can see the trickle-up poverty. We can see the war against American values. We can see that these books that I have written called, well, various titles, Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, is a mental disorder. That's what we see. We see that we need more patent. That would be general patent and less patent leather like you wear. We need to unmask the alien invasion. We need to unmask the unions who you are in cahoots with. We must expose the head of the snake, the ACLU, the National Lawyers Guild, and MoveOn.org. We must revise Homeland Security. We must stop the flood of illegal aliens. We must erase the public ignorance about the threat of fascism. Many people in America, because of the failed state of our public education, might not know the difference between Mussolini, Tortellini, or Linguini. And so I say to you today on the uh, Michael Savage podcast, 
The time has come to stand up to the tyranny of Joe Biden and his goon squads. I am MAGA. You are MAGA. I am not a criminal or an extremist. I'm a red-blooded American, the son of an immigrant, and I will not feel guilty for loving my country. Loving my country is not a crime. Also today on the Michael Savage podcast, you're going to hear the bloody history of socialism, the actualities, the real bloody history of socialism, not the fake version that is put out by occasional cortex and the other acolytes and minions of that failed bum, Bernie Sanders. You'll hear it all right now on the Michael Savage podcast. God bless America because only God can save this country from Joe Biden and his evil cohorts. pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Michael Savage, a host like no other. In today's edition of the Savage Podcast, we're going to look into details of socialism. It's a big word. And, of course, you should understand socialism comes in varieties, from the benign to the fatal. It's not one thing any more than capitalism is. However, we're all mistaken with Bernie Sanders, the seltzer man, who pretends to be this benign, nice, grandfatherly guy who's going to redistribute wealth and give to the poor and take from the rich. That's not how it works. You know, as, as a socialist, the word socialism does not frighten me. You may recall way back in, when was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world, that all the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. It's not how it works at all through history. Did you know that a hundred or so years ago our country was battling a socialist takeover, similar to what we are facing today? Many of you don't know this. The issues in the teens and the 20s, those are the 19s and the 1920s, are very similar to today. The campaigns were being run on fair wages for labor benefits for veterans, regulation of immigration, treaties with much of the world, race riots in major cities. And yes, there were even terror attacks that were issues in the 1920 election. The other similarity was that there was a socialist movement trying to take over the government. You see, the roots of the ideology did not just emerge in the 1960s. They go back over a century. Does the name Eugene Debs strike a chord with you? Eugene Debs was an Indiana labor organizer. Does that sound like a community organizer to anyone listening? Eugene Debs embraced socialism and was the Socialist Party standard bearer for five elections. And believe me, he was not a marginal player. In 1912, he got 6% of the vote. And yet his last campaign garnered him nearly a million votes when the population was obviously much smaller. You see, Russia's Bolshevik Revolution and the dawn of communism was an exciting experiment that many in this nation saw as quite compelling. Eugene Debs took the message to the streets in the form of strikes and fighting for, quote, workers' rights. Did you know that in 1919 there was one of the biggest race riots in Chicago over the alleged false arrest of a black man? 
instead of a white man for murder. The conduct of the white police force was being criticized during and after the riots. Black Lives Matter, ring a note to anyone. Have you heard the names Sacco and Vanzetti? Socialism has now revived itself in America. This is not the first time America's faced a socialist takeover. And what you're getting today on the program is a good lesson. It's a very good history lesson. Uh, and we'll continue with it. Have you ever heard the name Sacco and Vanzetti? These were radical socialists who followed an Italian anarchist, Luigi Galliani, who formed a group that was bent on carrying out terror bombings and assassinations right here in America. Well, that's what Sacco and Vanzetti carried out, and they were arrested and executed for doing it. They, they blew up Wall Street, killed a lot of people. And the word bomb thrower was uh, attached to, well, you're going to believe this, to Italians for years after that. Did you know that? that? It was in the common parlance, bomb throwers, because these people were Italian. Now, speed forward. Although it was Teddy Roosevelt who started the progressive movement and Woodrow Wilson who was sympathetic to socialist ideas, it was not until Hillary's role model, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, appeared that centralized, top-down government power was put into place. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the icon of the left, had a closet full of advisors, some of whom secretly met with Joseph Stalin, the dictator, to study the communist experiment, and then he started his own brand of centralized, top-down government on the U.S. economy. He took advantage of an economic crisis by creating public works programs on the order of what Stalin was doing in Russia. In fact, Hitler did the same thing in Germany to jumpstart the German economy. Did you know that? Did you know that that's how Hitler won, won the popular vote? It wasn't that his politics of racism were so popular with the German people. It was that, that they were stabbed in the back in World War One, They lost an awful lot of land that never should have been taken from them after World War One. The League of Nations is who started World War II. But as a result of crippling the Germans with reparations, the German people needed someone to come along to restore their economy. And Hitler was the man. He did it. He did it through public works projects. The only difference between what Hitler did and what Stalin did, and even what FDR did uh, with the public money, was they actually built things. They built bridges, they built tunnels. Look around in, in, in this country. You see the George Washington Bridge in New York. You see the Lincoln Tunnel. These tunnels were built during the 1930s with WPA money and, and other money, sent money that came from the government. They put men to work. I ride in San Francisco through tunnels and I look at the, the tile, the, the ceramic tiles that are still in these tunnels and they're still there. They were put up in the 1930s. I don't know what kind of glue they use, but you go through the Broadway Tunnel in San Francisco. That tunnel was built in the 30s with money that was used to build things. Now compare that with the phony in the White House, the demon in the White House, the man who says he's not a demon. He took trillions of dollars when he first became president, and he said he was going to use it to restore America. Have you seen one bridge built that has the name Obama on it? Have you seen one tunnel built? Have you seen ro one roadway built? You've seen nothing built. The money was stolen by his cronies in the corrupt, evil Democrat machine. But getting back to socialism, where Debs failed, Franklin Delano Roosevelt succeeded. He created one government program after another. He created one agency after another. And he tried to manage every aspect of an economy inherited from Herbert Hoover who also saw the government as a tool to correct commerce in the United States. 
Here's a very important point. When Roosevelt could not get his plans and agencies in line with the Supreme Court, he packed the Supreme Court so everything would go his way. Plan after plan, agency after agency, failed to produce the productive economy that he was promising. The same way that Soviet communism and the master planners in Russia failed to provide even the basic necessities to its citizens. What happened was the rich got richer, the poor got poorer, and the divisions between people were continuing to grow under this socialist philosophy. And what was it that got us out of this mess? What caused the nation to unite? And here's the most important thing you're going to learn today. Don't touch that dial. What got us out of that mess? What restored the economy that Roosevelt tried to affix with centralized government and government money, meaning taxpayer money, and the highest taxes you've ever seen in the world? A world war. The prospect of World War III now looms. Do you know why? Because war mongers in both parties, neocons, neolibs, are salivating for a war with Russia. They feel that that would save the economy. They feel that would lead us to an economic prosperity as all of our industries would be called on to produce at high levels. It would lead to full employment. Is that what you want? Is that what you want from a Democrat president? Donald Trump said he would do a deal with Putin to make sure we don't go to war. I want you to try to think instead of just reacting emotionally. Imagine the world if that happens. Imagine what you will be facing if we have a war with Russia. And this is not hyperbole. Why not own something that has never been valued at zero? Gold. Historically, gold is your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. The smartest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market. Right? Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. It helps you hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. In fact, if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, you just text SAVAGE to 989898 and convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. So text SAVAGE to 989898. And my friends at Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation, protect your hard-earned money, get your free info kit by texting SAVAGE to 989-898. Do it now. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. going to talk about the winds of socialism, the winds of communism that are blowing out of the universities, where there is no longer any freedom of speech or freedom of thought, where feminist fascists have taken over the universities down to the janitorial services, where all a girl has to do is accuse a boy of sexual harassment, and the boy is brought before some kangaroo court in the universities and has no right to face his accuser. This is right out of communist China or out of the Soviet Union. And these winds of socialist fascism are blowing from the universities through the media into the political system. And we see guys like Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, even Hillary Clinton now pretending that capitalism is not her, if you can believe any such thing. 
It seems that all those on the left, whether it's Gavin Newsom here in California or the others, as rich as they may be, are pretending to love the masses, pretending to love the uh, person at the bottom, pretending themselves to be uh, the common person. I'd like to today uh, give you a little history about the bloody Bolshevik revolution that stunned the world, the Russian revolution, the bloodiest transfer of power the world had ever seen. A revolution, the Russian revolution, ushered in secrecy, suppression, state-sponsored persecution across one-sixth of the Earth's land. But what touched off this fuse, and could it happen here? Well, it is happening here. Not could it happen here. It is happening here. And I want to talk today about things you didn't know about the Russian Revolution, why it happened in Russia, the uprising of 1917 was not the first, and how most of the leaders of the Russian Revolution were from upper middle class or even higher families. They were not from the poor. They were all like today uh, from families with money. And I think it's very important that we learn from history or we are condemned to repeat history. The first thing you have to know is that the Russian Revolution was a result of propaganda. The Bolsheviks, who were the early Russian revolutionaries, knew how to use propaganda, and they used it phenomenally well. They popularized the image of the bourgeoisie as enemies of the working man, and they cast their own leaders of the Russian uprising as working-class heroes, even though they were not from the working class. Does it sound familiar to you? So propaganda was an important ro uh, part of the success of the Russian Revolution. And the images were very clear. Do you want a socialist government here in the United States? And do you think you'd have more or less freedom? Are you a socialist? What would the United States be like if this was a pure 100% socialist nation? And as I said to you before, it seems that one presidency follows another as a reaction to the one that preceded it. And what I meant by that when I've said it several times, and I'll say it again in case you missed that show, because it's an important uh, observation, Obama was elected as an antidote to the Bush war in Iraq. If I had to reduce it to a simple term, Bush brought us to a war no one wanted, a war that unfortunately has turned out to be a disaster on every level. The dictatorship of Saddam Hussein has been replaced in ways by far worse people than Saddam Hussein, as you will soon see, as Mukta al-Sadar, who killed many of our troops, might wind up running uh, Iraq. Uh, so in other words, America hated the Iraq war. They hated Bush li Bush's lies about weapons of mass destruction given to us by none other than the liar John Bolton, who is now destroying the world. He's like a cyclops, John Bolton. Everything this man touches turns to fire and brimstone. So Bush gave us the war that nobody wanted, the Iraq war, based on lies. Lies promulgated by John Bolton about weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. And who followed Bush? Who was the antidote to Bush? Barack Obama. Obama came along and he promised peace and love and, oh, I guess, what's the word they use? Transparency. This is the funniest word on the planet. He was secretive. He created the greatest police state in the U.S. history, maybe world history, Obama. But nevertheless, he presented himself very well. He was a super fine salesman and a great con man. And America fell in love with Barack Obama in the beginning. They believed him. 
and he was a result of Bush. He offered the opposite. And then what happened after Obama's embrace of, let us say, Islam? He couldn't hide the fact that he was Islamophilic. He couldn't hide the fact that he came from two Islamic fathers, one uh, biological and one adopted. He couldn't hide the fact that he was in love with Islam. And the American people, it seeped down to the average Joe and Jane, and they saw the results of it, one terrorist attack after another, a kowtowing to the Saudi king, the uh, disgrace that he present, presented America as to the world. And so people had enough of his anti-Americanism. And who did they elect? Yes, it was close, but Donald Trump won. Donald Trump presented a, I would say, a moderate form of nationalism based upon my writings. And as a result, he won. And his Make America Great Again is, a, is an antidote to, to Obama's years of Make America Go Away Again. So this whole idea of promising uh, jobs for all, government jobs for all, likely Democratic contenders, follow millennials in embrace of socialist idea, Bradford Richardson, Washington Times, very important article. They're embracing the birth of Karl Marx, groundswell of support for the communist theorist ideas. Dozens of Democrats running for local office have embraced the socialist label. National party leaders are advocating bigger government as they jockey for position on the left wing of the party. Well, unfortunately for them right now, uh, a government job is not necessary because there aren't enough people to fill the, the jobs in the private sector. And yet, people who are mentioned as contenders don't know this yet. Senator Kirsten Gilbrand of New York, Bernie Sanders, have both endorsed a federal jobs guarantee program by the other left-wing fanatic, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey. Now, what is this federal jobs guarantee program going to look like? Who would pay for it? Why, you don't know who would pay for a federal jobs program? It has to be paid for by people not in the federal government. Well, what happens when the money runs out? Well, the jobs run out. And you wind up with one salami in a butcher store with people around the block trying to buy the one salami. Just look in Venezuela, you'll know what I'm talking about. Do you want a socialist government here in the USA? Would you have more or less freedom? Those who've lived under communism know the answer. Idiots who've lived under nothing but their parents' largesse know nothing at all and love socialism. They're called the college sex maniacs and drug addicts. You know, I keep hearing young people who are stupid, dumber than you've ever seen, talk about socialism with stars in their eyes because they've never visited these states, uh, these nations that are run by socialists. And then I realized something in bed last night. Socialism cannot work in a nation full of lazy people. And that goes for most nations on earth. What you don't understand, most of you don't understand this, is that man is inherently a lazy animal. I don't think you understand it. This is not a racial thing. It's not a, a gender thing. It's not a gay thing. It's not a straight thing. So put away your hatred for a minute. Man is by nature lazy. He'd rather do nothing and collect a check for doing nothing. He'd like to sit home, drink alcohol, smoke marijuana, do drugs, go to a dance at night. In other words, do nothing. Just be lazy. That's what man would like to do. Most men are lazy. Anywhere on earth, they sit around doing nothing. That's what the third world is, is in addition to struggling for food, they, they do nothing with themselves. So if you apply socialism or give them the opportunity to have socialism, of course they'll say yes. They want all of the money that the people who are creative and productive produce to be given to them. 
And then they don't understand they'll wind up eating themselves and have nothing left. As Margaret Thatcher said, socialism is a wonderful system. Wonderful indeed until you run out of other people's money. But you can't explain that to a stoner in his 20s. They have no idea what the real world is like. They spent the last six years in college living on their mother's couch, getting stoned, chasing sex, and they know nothing about the real world. Then they go out to get a job, and they don't get a job because they have no, no skills whatsoever. So what do they do? They blame race. They blame sex. They blame this. They blame that. But it's because they have no marketable skills. Nobody wants a deadbeat in their, in their corporation. You don't even want them working for you in a delicatessen. They can't even make a sandwich right. They get, they get fumbled up. You ask them to put corned beef on a, on a piece of bread, and the corned beef winds up on the floor, and the mustard is on, in their hair. Then they go home crying. Then they scream they want socialism. That's what's coming out of the colleges today. They don't understand that socialism is loved by people who are lazy bums because they get something for nothing. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I want to spend a few minutes about the rise of Nazism and the rise of Mussolini's black shirts for a couple of reasons that you'll come to understand. I don't have a lot of time to do this. I could spend hours on it. I've been studying this most of my life. We are living through a revolutionary time with a revolutionary president, with a revolutionary administration, as sure as I'm sitting here. Only you don't know it. Because these people who I've called neo-Marxists are more, you know, it's a, it's a phrase to get your attention. They're more clearly Fabian socialists. And again, I don't want to define any of these terms for you right now. But I want you to understand that you are in the hands of a revolutionary socialist, no matter how you try to spin it. He wants very stringent control of private economic, the private economic system. Now, Mussolini began his career as a revolutionary socialist. You may not even know who he was. He was the dictator of Italy at the same time that Hitler was the dictator of Germany, at the same time as Stalin was the dictator of France. And he was the editor of a paper, Mussolini, a newspaper. And uh, he moved on and on. And uh, there was tremendous revolution going on in Italy at the time. The government was weak and indecisive, and I should say corrupt. And in Italy, there was a communist upheaval that seemed possible to many. And Mussolini felt much the same patriotic discomfort as Hitler did. And he began to organize a national movement of black shirts, the fascisti. They wanted firm government control, not only of the people, but of financial and business controls. And who supported Mussolini in the beginning? Tremendous support from the big industrialists and financiers supported Mussolini because they were afraid of the red revolutionaries uh, in expropriating their, their wealth. And they thought that after Mussolini served his purpose as a strike breaker, they would be able to control him. Sound familiar? They feared the reds too much and the uh, Mussoliniites too little. His theory of the corporate state implied a strong control of private economics. This is exactly what we're seeing right now. And so his movement kept going on and on and on. And uh, in October of 1922, the March Upon Rome occurred. That was a seizure of power by the fascist organization. And thereafter, Mussolini's rise was rapid and uninterrupted. In the beginning, the Mussolini um, dictatorship, by the way, was not anti-Semitic at all. That was the difference between the Italian fascists and the German fascists. The Nazis were diehard racists, primarily against the Jews. They used the Jews as a scapegoat. And consequently, the Jews suffered terribly as a result of this. And I should define again the difference between the 
the fascist revolution in Italy and the fascist revolution in Germany uh, was distinctly different in that regard. There was no racism in the fascists of, of Italy initially, initially. But Hitler imposed it upon Mussolini later on. He made him uh, do it. Those of you know anything about the history of uh, fascism in Italy know exactly what I'm talking about. But you see, Germany was broken after World War I with tremendous debt payments from the League of Nations. Not only did Germany lose the war, but Germany had to be kept down. That's what the uh, United Nations of the time said. Germany had to be kept down. The League of Nations said, keep them down. And so they tried to break Germany even further, and they had the, the problems that I've described before of runaway inflation and whatnot. And in the midst of all of this, a new voice became audible amongst the, uh, the clatter. It was an angry voice. It was an angry, strident voice, but it said what millions of crazed, distraught Germans had uh, been feeling, that Germany had been cheated and betrayed. Germany had been cheated and betrayed, and that Germany need to have the pride that it once had occupied before 1914 restored. And this voice said that Germany had not been defeated on the battlefield. He said that Germany had been de betrayed from within. She had been betrayed in particular by her intellectuals, by the Communist International, uh, by the academics, and uh, by the Jews. And then he called about the nation to return to its racial roots, to the strenuous warrior life of the ancient Aryan Teuton. And this was the voice of the Austrian painter Adolf Hitler. And it had a horrible appeal to the vast and growing mobs of adolescents who had no prospects in life. They were unemployed. And so he appealed to the unemployed, and they developed an organization that spread. And that organization was a political party called the National Socialists, emphasis on the word socialist. Many of you don't understand that Hitler was a socialist. National Socialism, Nazism, was a socialist movement. Many of you are in denial about that. And so here are two extremes of fascist movements, Germany, Italy. What does it have to do with the the uh, confusion you're living through now in America, everything. What you don't understand is that you're living through a revolutionary period in American history. Many of you are focused rightly on this, on the bailout, on the mortgage, because you're so wrapped up in a day-to-day, -day, you don't know what to do. But there's no one out there in the media other than me to explain it in the context of what it is, because they don't have the, the ability, the background, the education that I do. And I'm not condemning them, I'm not boasting. Don't take me wrong. Please don't take this as a boast. They don't have the global capacity to tell you what's going on. Some of them who have college, edu high school educations, who are struggling hard, say the word socialism and socialist. Intuitively, they're right. But that's as far as they can go because they don't understand any more about it. That's okay. They can learn. doesn't mean they're stupid. They just don't have the education to understand the context of what they're saying, socialist about Obama. I do. And so I'm helping you with this. As the most highly educated man in the American electronic media, I am helping you understand that you're living through a, a revolutionary period and that we have a revolutionary socialist administration. And what he's trying to do now, he has already achieved control over the private economics of this country. That's why there was a mini revolt on the floor of the Chicago Exchange. Those guys understand what he's doing. That's why the market's in decline. The, uh, the pure, unadulterated capitalists on the uh, floors of these exchanges understand that there is a socialist running the, the government right now. They got it. They may not say it, but intuitively they know it. The only thing he's not yet done is get total control over the people.
He will have firm government control over the masses if you don't stop him. He's not yet achieved what Hitler and Mussolini did, which took them 10 years, which is a complete and total control of the masses. There was an executive order called the Department of Urban, uh, Urban whatever. Yes, the White House Office of Urban Affairs. And if you go on the White House press release, it's rather innocuous. Another department uh, whose function is uh, to provide leadership, coordinate development of the policy agenda for urban America across all executive departments and agencies. What is it for? Coordinating the Department of Treasury, Department of Justice, Department of Commerce, Department of Labor, Health and Human Service, Department of Transportation, Energy, Education, Protection, uh, EPA. And the office is now going to be a centralized power center for all of these departments in urban areas. Well, that would mean that he has military powers, police powers, from the federal level in the cities. That's what this really means. As sure as I'm sitting here, this executive order establishing the White House Office of Urban Affairs is another power grab to impose a federal police power over the cities. That's what I see going on here. Now, I'll continue with this paranoid fantasy, because that's what many of you think it is, because you're living in a delusion that we have a nice guy running America, surrounded by nice people. You want to live in that delusion? Wait until you see that I'm right. Wait until you get bitten by the wild animal inside your house. Wait until you see the thousands of green-shirted fascists coming to uh, to a neighborhood near you, on the government payroll to knock on your door and just do simple surveys about energy use, about utilities uh, that are that are overutilization of utilities, about how many rooms are not occupied in your house or dwelling. Uh, you wait and see if this doesn't happen if this man is not stopped. I believe that this man is on that road of absolute and total power. So as Lord Acton taught you, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. My friends, if you don't take a stand against this emerging fascist administration, you mark my words, you will lose all of your freedoms in your lifetime. I will be right back. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. We're going to speak with an expert on the subject, Stella Morabito, a senior contributor at The Federalist. Her essays are fabulous. Thank you. You can call me Stella. All right. Stella by Starlight. We should play some Stella by Starlight music by John Coltrane tonight. You have done extensive study and research on Russia and the Soviet Union. Now, we don't hear much about Soviet-style socialism. Why don't we begin right there? Why are the young of today under the impression that socialism is this benign Holland, you know, Scandinavian style socialism. Why is that? Well, I, it's a combination of factors. I think that, uh, well, a lot of it you can lay at the footstep of the, you know, the public education system or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the propagandizing, the, uh, you know, what they hear in, uh, pop culture, social media, um, youth are really vulnerable to, um, trying to, you know, prevent themselves from being social outcasts, and they'll go with whatever the popular line is most often, especially but, if they but have... But why is there such a massive rise, if there is, in the support of, for socialism amongst young people? Obviously, they're being taught that it's the right system, 
Is it a reaction to Trump? And I don't want to spend today talking about Trump. Is there a reaction to Trump? Is there a reaction to Facebook, Google, uh, Twitter, and all those people who are not paying their fair of taxes by using offshore corporations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think uh, a lot of that is just due to social pressures uh, and, and the fact that, uh, for the most part, K-12 education and especially uh, the universities, um, independent thought is uh, not something that's encouraged. Uh, they, you know, the, the kids are uh, constantly propagandized and, uh, and punished if they don't go over the politically correct line. So it's really more um, a matter of conditioning than really understanding or even wanting to understand, I think at this point, uh, what, what it is, what socialism actually means, which is really the consolidation of power. And, um, you know, one click basically decides, um, you know, what's best for everyone. And, uh, you know, throughout history, the, the results aren't pretty. Well, why, I, you know, I think myself that the young want a concentration of power. I don't, I know they don't know how to think. I've debated many of these kids, kids up to age, whatever they are, on this, on this program. They don't really want to think. They don't know how to think. They've not been trained to do critical thinking. And they want society to think for them as long as they think it's a good society and a good leader. And they want this elite vanguard, as uh, Lenin put it, to, I think, to lead society. They want heavy executive power. They don't want to think about it. And they want gun. You know, I don't want to go down the list of what they want. We'll do that in a minute. And, of course, when they hear that it's good for equality, uh, that's what they really want because they look around and they see bums in the street. Stella, don't you think? Then they see people flying by in their jets. They hear about them, or they constantly see these degenerates from Hollywood exhibiting forty thousand dollar shoes, hundred thousand dollar jackets at events, and they ask why do some have the hundred thousand dollar jackets while others lay in a cardboard box? And and I think the disparity that they see today in the streets has something to do with it. And we both know socialism is not the answer to this. It's something else, which we can talk about, I guess, later on. But don't you think that has something to do with it, the great disparity in wealth that we're seeing today? Well, you know, what's ironic is that, the, you know, those people with the $40,000 shoes and, uh, you know, the, the, the tech titans of Silicon Valley and all of these super rich billionaires I mean, they're all on the same page for the most part um, with the, uh, you know, with this um, idea that, uh, you know, socialism is great or that, uh, you know, big government anyway is uh, the way to go. And, um, it, you know, so that's pretty ironic. Yes, they do see a disparity. I think the disparities that they see are, um, you know, used. It, you know, because the media is, for the most part, controlled by those who, you know, are power elites. And, um, you know, whether it's the media, academia, pop culture, entertainment, um, you know, they're all hearing uh, this message, um, you know, that, that about what they call social justice, social and economic justice, and they get the images. Um, they, they only get those images, you know, of, um, uh, you know, the disparities. 
Yeah, but they sport T-shirts for mass murderers like Che Guevara since the 60s. -hmm. And now we have this crumpled old nice grandfatherly Bernie Sanders Mm -hmm. saying that it's not really the socialism of communist Russia. It's a benign Democrat socialism when Mm -hmm. we know for a fact that in his youth, Bernie Sanders was a hardcore communist. He probably still is calling for the nationalization of industries and other such things. He's an extremely dangerous man. I call Bernie Sanders the most dangerous man in American political, modern political history. He has created the Frankenstein of occasional cortex, for example, who is a clear terror. He has unleashed a generation on this nation that could wind up being the Khmer Rouge of our time. And I don't want to go into the whole history of that again. And yet he gets away with it because people don't interrupt this man to talk about the results of such uh, of such talk. I mean, we all don't want to see people in the street in cardboard boxes. But, you know, part of that, Stella, is that they want to be in cardboard boxes. There are shelters. They don't want to go into them. You know, that's a whole separate story. I live in the worst city on earth for, for homeless people. There are plenty of shelters for them. They refuse to go into them. And I would I would require the forced uh, housing of these people in the shelters that the city provides. I wouldn't let them have the option of sleeping in the street. But that's a separate, you know, issue. I, my personal fear, Stella, is that we will see the kind of green types who will come to our doors, look at the amount of electricity and water that we use, maybe tell us we have too many pets, and tell us we have to give up pets to the government for euthanasia because we can't afford to have pets as they did in China. I don't think they even understand that pets were killed in China. Maybe they'll tell us that we have too many uh, male children. We have to give some children over Mm -hmm. to the state for euthanasia. We don't know where this could go, do we? Um, Well, I think that, yeah, there is this uh, path of least resistance mindset uh, Mm. that a lot of youth have. And I do think that, yeah, there's there's a strong, the strain of authoritarianism and actually, you know, totalitarianism, that's, that's really the road that centralized power leads to. And they want, yeah, they, they will want to control uh, every aspect of life as government gets bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, we, we, we see a, a lot of, well, beyond hints of that now, just, in, you know, what you suggest is, uh, you know, not unlikely if, you know, if, if, things, if it's all left to its own devices. Yes. If there are no checks and balances, which, of course, is what they want, you listen to them and they say, well, global warming, mm-hmm. it's our World War II. It's like defeating Hitler. And if we don't do it, the world will come to an end. And so we're going to take control of it because the people are stupid. Mm-hmm. All scientists agree, of course. It's all, all lies. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Now, Stella Morabito is with The Federalist, and she has written a great article, Socialism's Bloody History Shows Millennials Should Think Twice Before Supporting It. Stella, we both know the truth of socialism. They don't want to know the truth of socialism. Even if you showed them a video of the slaughter of socialism, the killing machine that it is, when it gets out of control, whether it be in communist Russia, communist China, Pol Pot's Cambodia, Castro's Cuba, 
when a group, a small group of communists took over a country and then granted themselves absolute power, and we know that absolute power corrupts absolutely, Mm -hmm. they may say, great, we want Bernie to have absolute power because he'll save us from global warming. He'll take the guns away from the evil white males who are killing everybody. This is what, what I fear. I don't think they're going to get the message before it's too late. However, I don't think Bernie's electable, incidentally, between you and I. I think Trump will chop him up to pieces, but that's irrelevant. It's only a matter of time if this goes on, whether it's 10 years from now or so, that this wave of children become the, elect- the electorate. You know, this is what I'm worried about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nancy Pelosi the other day said she thought 16-year-olds should be voting. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, wild. Um, uh, that is uh, the path, and uh, checks and balances are key, and the uh, youth are not learning about the virtues of checks and balances on power and uh, how inevitably power corrupts. And socialism is the path to absolute power. They're well, let, let's just give some numbers for the one or two millennials that may be listening to this show, if there are any. <laughs> now, oh, no, I'm a millennial and I listen. The estimates vary as to how many people died in, in the 20th century under communist rule. I mean, I have saw 80 million, 100 million. Are those numbers correct, in your opinion? Oh, yeah. No, in fact, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Professor R.J. Rummel, the late uh, R.J. Rummel, who wrote the book Death by Government. Uh, No, I don't know it. Tell us about it. Okay, well, uh, this book, uh, Death by Government, it's out in its, like, fifth edition, and he meticulously, uh, you know, counted, uh, you know, all of the the genocides, the, the mass murders in the 20th century, and, um, you know, in, in all the various, uh, you know, wherever they took place. And, um, you know, here his original estimate for China, for example, was something like 35 million. And uh, in well, 2000... No, wait, no, let's just go through this. This is through what? Forced confessions and executions, starvation in China by the communists, or how many? Um, well... Through various means. Uh, I mean, he was an expert in uh, what he called democide, D-E-M-O-C-I-D-E, you know, basically death by government. And, uh, and, and it's, it's just by all the means, you know, through, um, you know, camps, uh, la- you know, hard labor camps, as well as executions and, um, you know, by unofficial private groups, killings, extrajudicial killings. Um, you know, deaths by, and deliberate famines. Um, so it, it's, uh, but he, he had estimated, uh, when he came out with this book, I think in 94, uh, 35 million, and then he updated that to 77 million in 2005. Uh, so, I mean, the, uh, it's mind boggling to even think about, you know, any, in, in our society, where, you know, just the idea of capital punishment, um, you know, one person gets, you know, a lot of people out in protest, uh, it, it, it's just hard to wrap your head around, no matter what those numbers are in the millions. Uh, but they're way up. But, you know, Stella, so, um, Stella, you know, every time I raise this kind of discussion, or anyone does, 
people say we're being alarmist. Bernie Sanders doesn't want to kill anybody. He's talking about a fair, uh, equitable distribution of wealth. Uh, reigning in polluting industries. He's going to be a good guy for America. He's not going to kill anyone. Isn't that what we hear? Oh, sure, we hear that, and I don't think he would. I mean, he's just like this avuncular character who, you know, sounds, you know, likes the sound of his voice. And uh, if you heard him on Univision a couple years ago being interviewed, believe it or not, about Venezuela, he was, he had, uh, there was a fascinating interview with him. And uh, they asked him about all the chaos in Venezuela's interviewer. And he was totally deer in the headlights. He didn't want to discuss it. He, he, he just said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy running for, running for president right now. Well, I have, a tape, I have a tape of his from YouTube, which I found last night, which we're going to insert uh, after this interview, where after the Israelis in the Gaza uh, incident a few years ago, he said that 10,000 people in Gaza were killed by the Israelis. And he repeats the number. And the fact of the matter is even the Palestinians said 1,600 people were killed in the Gaza war. Here is a man of Jewish heritage mm -hmm. who is more anti-Semitic or more anti-Israeli than the Ku Klux Klan. It's astounding to me. Well, I, I think he's, you know, he likes the sound of his own voice. He's, um, you know, power drunk. I mean, this is what happened. Uh, our founders knew how tyranny is built on the centralization of power. So they devised a system that would put checks and balances uh, on that, um, you know, that type of power, which becomes murderous if left to its own devices. And history has proven that. You come up with characters like Bernie Sanders uh, and, um, you know. But, but wouldn't he make America more fair, Stella? Wouldn't he be good for the environment by getting rid of all those evil cars and trucks? Isn't that what Bernie would do by, by decree? Yeah, he would centralize power is what he would do. And, uh, you know. On a, on, a, on, a, on a naked political level, do you think he could be Trump? Oh, do I think he could be Trump? Um, you mean in a fair election or in. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's start with debates. He's he's smarter than Trump. He's a better debater. He's got he's got a better control of the language. He looks terrible to us, but there's an awful lot of people who like the crumpled grandfather look. You know, getting even with the big guy who they hate so much. What do you think is going to happen if he is the final winner in the Democrat primaries? Can he? Can you think he's going to beat Trump in a, in a debate just off off the record? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I am, when it comes to that kind of punditry, uh, I can't, um, I, I'm not very good at... Uh, you All right, know. Let, let's say Bernie Sanders wins. You know government well. Let's say, God forbid, there's an upset victory, and he, all of a sudden we wake up after the election in 2020, Bernie Sanders is the new president, and we're waiting for him to take uh, power come January. What do you think the first five things he would do? Oh, uh you know, he would appease uh, the base. Uh, he would uh, reverse, uh, try to reverse, um, you know, the, uh, the things that the Trump, you know, put it, you know, put into place. Uh, so he'd bring in more immigrants. He would uh, take down the one brick that might be up from the wall. Uh, let's see what else. Do you think Amazon 
Google, <laughs> Twitter, and uh, the others would pay their fair share of taxes on the Bernie? I don't. I, I can almost guarantee you that the very same tech companies that are getting away with paying almost no taxes today would pay no taxes under whoever the president is. It reminds me very much, Stella, of what went on in the beginning of Hitler's revolution in a certain way, where he wouldn't take on the industrialists who put him in power because he was afraid of them and he needed them. And I don't think anyone's going to touch these people. They all have these companies registered in, uh, in Ireland. They use the triple Dutch scheme, the triple Irish scheme. And it's shocking to see that they have such vast profits without taxes. Maybe Trump ought to do something about that before the election to to stave off a Bernie Sanders uh, um, victory. But that's that's a topic for another uh, another time. We're speaking with uh, Stella Morabito, senior contributor at The Federalist. She wrote a great essay on socialism's bloody history, showing that millennials should think twice before supporting it. Let's only hope that a few millennials listening to this podcast or those listening to this podcast share it with some millennials and they start to read about the terribly murderous history of real socialism. And I think the main point for me, Stella, is that it may begin nicely and benignly, and Bernie is certainly not a murderer, but these, this system has a, a way of taking control of things on its own. And there are people around him who would actually be murderers. You can see it in their eyes and in their face and what they say. Stella, thank you so much for being with us today on the Savage Podcast. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.